Oh my goodness, Frank. How excited are you? Um, I'm a little tempered down because it's all like cloudy outside. It's very it's awkward. It's actually not clouds. It's smoke. Do you have a yes. uh, smoke where you are? Smoke everywhere. Pacific Northwest completely blanketed. Do you remember Seattle mm, 24 months ago? <laughs> I don't time. Uh, yes. Yes, James, I do. What could you describe it for me, though? Well, last time we blamed Canada for all of our smoke issues. Now we're blaming <laughs> California and Oregon for all of our smoke issues. But yeah, pretty much the entire world is on fire. Everything's terrible. But remember actually Australia not too long ago, also terrible. Everything's terrible. Yeah. But Frank, let's just take a break. Let's take a break and I'm let's actually get into Are we something. Ignore it? <laughs> we're ignoring it. It's happening. My Dyson air purifier is on full blast. It is all day. It's just like literally so upset at me right now. I've been, um, I felt me <laughs> at least you got one lucky devil. Well, so funnily enough, I got the, the Dyson air purifier two years ago when this happened and they were sold out everywhere. And we, we held on to it obviously, cause they're quite expensive, but literally it inside the living room where it's at it, the air quality went to very poor and has not moved. And it's just on full <laughs> blast. It's like, the Dyson cannot filter the smoke particles fast enough, basically. Yeah, the city rated it uh, hashtag unhealthy. Yeah. So that's good. Um, but oddly enough, I haven't actually been minding it. I'm, uh, the, the heat's been more annoying. So it's just a combination of heat and smoke that's just making the world and a pandemic very pleasant. I feel like I've totally sidetracked this podcast into negativity, though. So let's forget all of that. What are we actually talking about? Well, actually, before we move on to the topic, now that you have sidetracked us, you have to go to this <laughs> website that I tweeted out earlier, which is the most amazing website in the entire world, by the way. It's called IQ Air Map. And what I love about it is that not only does it tell you where all the wildfires are at, where the heat map is at, where the smoke map is at, but it gives you an interactive look at all of the airflows happening at all times. It's so great. I love it. IQair.com. Uh, yeah, I love these wind maps. Uh, I've never seen one in this case because that's terrifying. Um, gosh, modern world's so cool. I don't. I've always thought about these wind maps. Like, how are they doing? Are they looking at pressures? Are they doing trace particles? Are they doing it more cleverly than that? Either way, it's really cool. I'm kind of mesmerized by a bunch of vortices, so I'm gonna close this. I stop <laughs> yes. getting. Up. Yeah. <laughs> so we are excited, not for the smoke, because nobody is. But we're excited, Frank, because. We are getting a brand new type in .NET 5. Uh, we're getting a lot of types, buddy. I can't. We're going from GUID to new type. I don't know. Um, this time, I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess. I Which platform am I on? .com. <laughs> on all of them. Listen, we're getting a new binary floating point number that occupies 16 bits, Frank. Did did you read my topic list? I put this down as a topic. I wanted to talk about this. I'm so excited to be talking about this. Are you talking about the half type, James? Yeah, you know, I read the topics you put down the list every single week. Uh huh. And, and you know, here's the funny part about this is that this came up in my newsfeed and I was like, the new half pipe. And I was like, whoa, the .NET things, we're, we're getting half pipes? What's going on? And then I reread it and I was like, oh, um, no, that's, that's, that's a half type. Um, Prashanth. 
uh, did this amazing blog post. It's very short and to the point. Uh, I read it. I didn't understand any of it except for I'm assuming a half type is smaller than a full type. <laughs> it's um, it's actually smaller than a single type. Single. You know single, right? I know single. That's like a, a U int. No. 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 <laughs> so the the problem here is that in C sharp it's called float. But in the BCL it's called system dot single single. Because you know the other one. Double. 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 And double's long? easy to remember. Yeah. Well, not long. <laughs> That's a the eighty bit floating point. That's no, a scary start, one from Intel. Let's start at the, let's start at the lowest point, Frank. Let's see. I want to understand where these new because honestly, I don't know how often we get new mm-hmm. like BCL types. Is what I mean? Of course, we get new like class types, but like I'm assuming that this is going to be blue in the IDE, unlike other things which are like a different shade of blue. Um, primitive, 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 it's primitive type. type. Yeah. Yes. It's really interesting, especially because, um, sorry, I got to side rail us already. So this type is a floating point type. That's why it's going to be different from the integers. So that's, uh, we'll get to it, but it's a floating point type. It's kind of interesting that in .NET, the runtime only specifies 64-bit floating points. But as we all know, we can use other ones. So it's kind of interesting that we're able to introduce a primitive data type without... I don't think modifying the runtime at all. So that's kind of cool, just in the design of the runtime kind of stuff. That's pretty crazy. So we have float. Is that is that our is the float is the smallest floating point? Because long is not a floating point. That is correct, that's right. right. Yeah. Long is your 64-bit signed integer. Right. And um float, on the other hand, is 32-bit. It's the one we like. I do like it. And then the 64 uh, would be the double, correct? Yep. You got it. Twice as big. Now, where does mm-hmm. decimal fall in? Decimal is its own beast. Ah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't remember the exact encoding of decimal, but I think it's a 64-bit, not quite an integer, not quite a floating point number. Because what are we really talking about? Memory is memory. Um, bytes are bytes. So we're talking about how do you interpret the bytes. When we say integer, we're saying we we use this encoding called two's complement encoding for integers. When we're talking about floating point numbers, we encode them according to the IEEE standard. When you're talking about decimal, that's encoded using a system called binary coded decimal, BCD, which mm. allows uh, perfect precision in base 10 math. Because integers allow perfect precision with um, base two math, but decimals, decimals work better with money because we, we care more about base 10 than base two in money. Got it. That makes sense. And yeah, you're right. The IEEE 754 specification, which we'll link to in the docs, if I can find it, do specify that there are four different floating types, floating point types, binary 16, binary 32, binary 64, binary 128. Now, is it that decimal is not binary 128? That's right. That's right. Because decimal is decimal. <laughs> it's 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 base ten. It's not base two. It's encoded differently. Mm. Uh, Do we have a binary encodings? No. Um, now there is a funny thing on Intel machines. Uh, Pentium processors have an eighty bit floating point number, Whoa. which is not technically standard, and yet everyone supports it because Intel. You know, 
but that's not going to work on our ARM codes or our iOS codes. So I haven't bothered with that data type at all. And I don't think, I don't know what support there is in .NET for that data type. You can barely access it from C. Just using it from C is a pain. But anyway, um, nope, no 128s for now. Um, 64, 64-bit floating point gives you a lot of precision. Um, I don't remember the numbers, but people do ridiculous things like you can measure the width of a hair uh, 10 galaxies away or something like that. Uh, I don't know if that's accurate, but I know that uh, 64-bit floating point is really nice, really super duper nice. The 32-bit one is what we use in practicality uh, for speed. Um, you can usually get one operation per CPU um, cycle with the um, 32-bit ones. And so that's why they're kind of prevalent everywhere. Got it. Yeah, I do. I do. You know, floats, I always feel like are everywhere that I look. I always try to avoid doubles if I can. But if something returns a double, I'm pretty sure never going to um, cast that to a float. That seems like that's a bad thing. However, I always uh- kind of feel... I mean, wouldn't it be bad? No, is it not bad? No, I, I, I'm pro double. Pro um, double? Yeah, I think it's premature optimization to use the 32-bit one. Mm-hmm. These days, we're all using beefy 64-bit computers. Doubles are plenty fast for everything that you're going to do, and they're less likely to have annoying numerical precision problems and kind of everyday kind of numerics. Yeah, but Frank, what if we're squeaking out performance? Let's say we have like a WebAssembly application and we want to like squeak out every bit of performance as much as humanly possible. Are these bits and bytes going to make a difference? And if not, (laughs) then why are you even excited for the half type as much as I am? Because I feel like, listen, Frank, 64 divided by 2, 32 divided by 2 again is binary 16, which means literally my application is going to run four times faster. It might even run faster than that. That's what's so crazy about the half type. Um, Yeah, yeah. If your whole application was just number crunching, a la, let's say, a neural network. Neural network. network. Yeah, I saw where I got there. Mm. Okay, but let me me just give props one more quick time to double. So just to give a practical example. So I like to draw, I like to write 3D map applications on iOS. And the simplest way to do that would just take, be take all the uh, 3D geometry of the planet, put it on a sphere because the planet is a sphere, and plot that out in meters and let the renderer do its thing. But if you try to do that, uh, everything falls apart. <laughs> the renderer does not work because um, uh, they're not designed for 64-bit math. They force you into 32-bit math. GPUs have, for quite a while, um, pushed for 32-bit math on everything. And so you have to do crazy hacky tricks to do, like, Earth kind of rendering, because you have to scale things down so that they can fit into the 32-bit range, all that. So these are real practical problems. So isn't it crazy that, yeah, why in the world would we go from 32-bit to 16-bit? Well, and I mean, when I think about the stuff that I'm doing and a lot, some of my applications, not all my applications, but I think about like often is not how many decimal points I need, but it's like, how big is the number that's going to be returned? And what's cool about this new, um, half, um, um, floating point number is that it actually gives you a lot of, of, of range you get, you know, plus or minus 
65,504, which is quite large. And I have to imagine, and you could, you know, prove me wrong here, that if these types of numbers, these binary 16s are really good for machine learning, is it that you're because you're crunching small numbers constantly? Like, is there no need to crunch big numbers or is it just happen to be that small numbers are what machine learning algorithms are crunching more often? Oh, that is such a great question because it's, 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 it's both things actually. Um, so yeah, uh, you, you mentioned a range of up to like 60,000. That's true, but you actually lose a lot of precision in that upper bound where these numbers are happiest is in the range negative one to one. That's where all their precision is. So they can give you lots of precision in that range. I don't remember how much it's decimated by, but you know, that's your, that's your happy area. So in the case of neural networks, um, just because they have a background in logic and in logic, we tend to use zero and one to represent true and false. Yeah. Neural networks have always kind of constrained themselves to these smaller numbers. It's not to say they're required to, but it gets into um, precision problems also. Um, even the 32-bit and 64-bit numbers lose precision the farther you get away from zero. They're almost accurate around zero. Uh, so it, it's this really nice confluence. And then on top of that, on top of that, yeah, the hardware can go much faster with these little numbers. I see. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking in the blog post here, and it looks like it can go out to the 14th or 15th digit uh, place um, nice. with high accuracy. So you're right, like you can go out that far, the 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 largest normal number, but then really the smallest positive non-zero goes out extremely far. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's just this nice, it's kind of a perfect little data type because, um, you know, I, I, I jumped straight to neural networks, but this actually came from the GPU world, uh, video games, really. Uh, do you remember your depth map? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. The, the mm-hmm. depth maps is is sort of what that thing actually in your Surface Book or on your iPhone is probably using. It's it's creating a depth map of your face. Is this what you're talking about? <laughs> yeah. Yep. And in renderers, it's so that like things in front of other things are um, drawn in front of them, like in a 3D renderer. So one of the first things you do is just measure the depth of everything and throw away things that are behind other things. So that requires a lot of numbers that happen to be in the range zero to one. And so it really uh, benefited the video card people to make... um, that range zero to one as fast as possible. And what they decided to do, they invented this data type floating point 16, this crazy floating point number. And then they realized, hey, uh, that's going to work great for colors also, because colors tend to stay in the range zero to one. You're allowed to go outside that range, but that's where all the, you know, the really good precision is. And so uh, um, uh, internal structures that dealt with color could all use these floating point numbers. So when you were writing shaders, you were probably running into the half data type years and years ago. Uh, I definitely was. I did write a lot of shaders specifically for for the GPU on the Xbox 360 way back in the day, which was something I never want to do again, unfortunately, Frank. I mean, I do love shaders, but I actually don't love shaders at the same time. Before we get further on the half types, let's take a quick break and thank our amazing sponsor this week, Sync Fusion. Listen, if you're not busy thinking about floats, doubles, and halves, 
well, you should probably just be using Syncfusion to create beautiful applications. They have thousands of controls, more controls that can fit into a half. I don't know if that's true or not, but don't quote me on it. But they got all sorts of controls, graphs, charts, pickers, dialogues, everything that you can possibly think about to make your application absolutely stunning. Now, what's cool here is Syncfusion works on just about everything, whether you're building Xamarin applications like I do all the time, web applications, Blazor applications, desktop applications, they have you covered. They have beautiful, beautiful controls for your applications and data processing too, because who doesn't love data processing? Word, PowerPoint, Excel, they have everything you need and PDF. Give them a look at syncfusion.com slash merge conflict. That's syncfusion.com slash merge conflict. Thanks to Syncfusion for sponsoring this week's pod. Thanks, Syncfusion. Yeah. Mm. Don't don't ever make this choice. You're, you're going to use double. Use double everywhere. Use but. double everywhere. <laughs> uh, so, but this so, yeah, so why, but why would I want, but, but when and why, Frank, if you're just, if, but then why are we even doing this podcast, Frank? Let me just be honest. Because obviously you were so excited about it. Explain why. Well, the why is programming language support. Because this has been a GPU thing. This has been, I'm writing shaders and it can take advantage of this data type. Or the internals of a neural network can take advantage of this data type. But uh, it's inputs and outputs usually don't, uh, mostly for the part that most programming languages don't support this data type. (laughs) There's just no way to communicate. So if you have an array of bytes and you're told that these are 16-bit floating point numbers, how do you read that in C Sharp? Mm. You don't. don't. Uh, Oddly enough, um, Apple has been uh, using this a lot for their Metal stuff. And I've written apps that use Metal. F-sharp apps. So even in F-sharp, I was able to do terrible, nasty things um, in order to read and write arrays of these types. Basically, I copy and pasted a bunch of C code and converted it over to F-sharp to do like terrible, terrible bitwise twiddling and oring and anding you know you know the nasty kind of stuff and it's really nasty because it's floating point numbers not integers and so i can just throw away all that code because there's mm. going to be a primitive data type does it all for you it does it's it's a big deal um so it's 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 definitely got its limited use cases <laughs> i promise you you probably should not be using this data type but if you're in the world of graphics and neural networks this is going to enable you to just interface with all these libraries um, that require support for it. Yeah. What's cool here is I'm actually reading a lot of the, uh, not only the blog, but the comments are really good. There's a lot of people that are, you know, having some interesting comments, but I love the team behind here. Someone was asking why binary 16 and not 128. And in fact, talking to your machine learning, the reason, at least one reason is that ML.net is going to take advantage of binary 16 first. So they can come uh, out with Donet 5 and have that built in, which is really cool. Um, and then, of course, binary 128, often, you know, it's not necessarily supported on every single CPU or GPU compared to half, which most modern platforms like you were talking about can take advantage of it. Yeah, the 128-bit stuff, I, I'm not 100% sure on it myself. Like, I think most of the ARM 64 processors could handle it i know that in most intel processors could handle it so i'm curious which processors they don't want to touch it for but the 
honestly, I'm not even sure um, if Intel and ARM natively support half. I'm so sorry, everyone. I, I haven't done my research <laughs> for this podcast. Um, so it it could potentially be implemented in software. You can always do software floating point numbers. So I'm really curious, um, given that that was the reason for not doing 128, if there actually is hardware support for 16-bit floating point everywhere. It's interesting. Yeah. So does this mean that you're going to rewrite your entire application now with this new half? <laughs> no. This is for talk this is for talking to things. So there is um so I have that 3D engine that I was talking about, that kind of map renderer. So that one, yes. <laughs> yes, I will. Because that one is always communicating between the CPU and the GPU. You know, the CPU is doing a little bit of work, it uploads some texture maps to the GPU, the GPU catches up. And so so yeah, in, in honesty, yeah, I will rewrite all those parts. But no, <laughs> don't use this data type everywhere. It's it's going to just cause, like, if you start doing, like, uh, money math with this, you're probably going to, it'd be hilarious, actually. Yeah. What I think is really fascinating about this, by the way, is that there are a bunch of probably game engines and, you know, rendering engines like you're doing and neural network engines and machine learning algorithms. And I think as a app developer, what's sort of fancy about this new half type is that um, those things will be updated most likely to take advantage and fine tune with the new half type. And then you as a developer will sort of just be able to take advantage of it, hopefully. Yeah, uh, it, it would be nice to see a lot of .NET 5 a lot of the libraries that we all use and upgraded for .NET 5, including this support. So I'm thinking of things like Image Sharp could really take advantage of this. My library and graphics that deals with colors all the time. In fact, we should talk about the color class. Um, this It could take great advantage of this because this is, a like I said, a perfect data type for colors. It has all the precision where you want it. Um, so there's definitely... A lot of places for libraries to upgrade. I'm curious which ones will. <laughs> like, will uh, Skia Sharp update? That'd be kind of cool if we could get um, an FP16 color class there. What I, I think I ask this in every episode. What are you using for a color class in um, Xamarin Essentials? System.graphics.color, right? Oh, classic, right. Sticking with the classics. Okay, mm -hmm. system drawing color, yeah. Yeah, that so one, system drawing color. And then what we do is we add a bunch of extension methods onto it um, that Xamarin, so if Xamarin Forms has its own color, but it's also like a subclass of system drawing color. And it's kind of weird. Really? So I think like, I think like in, if you're using .NET Standard 2, then it is the same. But if it's not .NET Standard 2, then it's not the same. But then they don't support .NET Standard 1 anymore. I don't know. It's very confusing. It's legacy code, right? But for yeah. Essentials, we just had system drawing color. But then we added a bunch of extensions. So you can do from hacks, to hacks, from HS, uh, what all the other extensions yeah. are basically that, that Forms had in there, which was nice. So you could just use that same stuff anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, there's just one design flaw with that color class. As far as I know, it's sRGB encoded as 32-bit, as a 32-bit integer, 8 bits mm. for each channel. So something like that is limited. Um, black is always black, but 
unfortunately, the color of a piece of paper and the brightness of the sun are represented by the color white. It's, they're two totally different things, but it's stuck normalizing things into that range. That's why in modern graphics, where we have um, HDR, high, defi- high, high dynamic range, <laughs> that, that's the HDR I wanted, um, you, can, you can represent the brightness of the sun as being 10,000 times brighter than that piece of paper because of the floating point number support. So another win for floating point numbers over the integers. It's twice the size. We don't have an 8-bit floating point number. That one would be a little bit crazy. <laughs> I would love to see system drawing color expand um, and maybe done at six time frame because um, I would really like them to see all those, those helper methods come in, but I would love to see it evolve into this new dynamic color, color scheme or maybe dynamic color or something, something else, right? That is that is a lot higher would be quite nice in my my opinion. High color, high def high color. color. High def color, color high. Hello color. H color. <laughs> H color, color H. <laughs> Holler instead of a color. Well, you can't use H because H is actually uh, what you usually append to functions when you want to signify that they work with the half types. Have uh, you noticed in .NET, uh, we've always had math math.sign, math.cosine, all those. Some years ago, I don't remember when, we got the math F class. Do you know that one? Mm Mm-hmm, yep. Yeah, so the the problem was always that the math class always inputted doubles and outputted doubles, 64-bit numbers. Yeah. And that was kind of annoying if you were trying to do all your math in 32-bit. It was unnecessary conversions. And so we got the math F class, pretty cool. Yeah, it uses a single rather than a double. That's what the documentation says. <laughs> it's um, as simple as that, folks. And those are like rectangle and rectangle F. Is that the same thing? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, except that's a different convention. Rectangle is integers. Rectangle F is floating points. Whoops. Yeah, I know. Rectangle, rectangle <laughs> D. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh man. Uh, and then there's a library OpenTK that has its own set of yeah, that has its own I I F D and H H. So H is the new one. So I wonder if we'll get a math H. Class. Ooh, that would be real nice. I mean, again, these would be like the that's an opt in at that point, right? Because then you can say, oh, you know what? These functions need a single or a double, or they just need a half, and then they could do their magic. See, that works out perfect because it means half and it means high def. So it could be the color H or the H color, whatever one makes it through the meeting. Now, let me ask you a quick question here, Frank. This might sound a little, little, little silly, a little silly on my end. Now, there We've is... We've been talking about a numeric data type for 25 minutes. How much more silly could it get, James? Well, you know, you got the singles and you got the, the doubles and you got the floats and you got the, and you got the, the, the lower cased float. And then, of course, mm. you got the the single because those are the same, the same thing, but they're not called the same. But you got a double, and then a lowercase double. Now, yep. there's a half, which is an uppercase uppercase half, right? Capital H alf, alf. But there's no <laughs> lowercase half. Now, why are there two different things? Explain to me, like uppercase string and lowercase string. And I know people are like, "Wow, James, you're 30. How old am I? 30." <laughs> four years old and you've been a developer (laughs) you know smoke is penetrating my brain um and uh you know you should know this stuff 
And you think I would, but I've forgotten, Frank. And you know who knows? Frank Krueger knows. I know. Uh, the the difference is merely between the CLR and the programming language. And mm. as we remember, CLR stands for Common Language Runtime. So they tried to go with very generic names in the CLR, whereas the language C Sharp came from a C heritage, and it wanted to use names from C. So that was actually kind of a cool example of how your language doesn't have to match the CLR exactly. You can Mm. use your own things. So why aren't we getting a lowercase half? I have no idea. (laughs) You have to talk to your old office mate to find out. Mads might know. Uh, Maybe we are. Maybe it just didn't make the blog. I don't know. That's a good question. But, you know, uh, like F-sharp, that has different names for all these types. The 64-bit, <laughs> uh, 64-bit double is actually called a float in F sharp. Just to oh, that's not confusing you. at all. <laughs> yeah, uh, float 32, I believe, is the 32-bit float. <laughs> I wonder if we'll get a float 16 or if we'll mm. get a half. So I'm curious what will happen in F sharp. Yeah, so they could they could name it completely something different. So the lowercase half doesn't have to be. It, but ideally, it doesn't really matter because whether you're using a single or a float or a double or a double or a string or a string is the same, right? There's no difference. Is there a difference? There's not a difference. Nope. Is there a difference? No difference. No. no. <laughs> it's purely stylistic. Yeah. You can use its real name or you can use the cute keyword name for it. Nice. It's sometimes funny. Like um, I, I, I change my style because I bounce between C sharp and F sharp all the time. And this usually doesn't come up the difference between those that often, but where it does is string. Cause do you use lower string or capital string? They're the same, but you can use lowercase. Lower, only <laughs> lowercase. I never use uppercase of the types. I use the, the right. lowercase ones. I always use a right. float, a double lowercase double. I always use an int, you know, I'm not using in 32s over here. So I, I'm usually with you, but there's this annoying function on string called join. And annoyingly, it's not an extension method. And so you have to do string.join, pass all your arguments kind of thing. In C-sharp, you can do lowercase or capital S. In F-sharp, you can only do the capital one. If you do the lowercase one, it gives you an error. Oh, no. Uh, So I've had to retrain my brain to always use capital string uh, in that one case. Everywhere else, it's lowercase. There's this exception in my poor neural network of a brain that has to deal with that. It's hard to break your your brain from, from changing those types and those casings. And even semantics of how you code. I remember my very first job that I ever had out of college at Canon, uh, we used, um, what was it? They're like, we never use string.empty. We only ever use double quotes. And now I use string.empty everywhere. And then they're like, we only use, everything starts with M underscore. Every name, oh, every yeah. private, M underscore. Member underscore. Classic. Terrible. Um, yeah. And then I got rid of, then they're like, okay, maybe we'll just do underscore. I'm like, no, nothing, right? That was my next job was only underscores. And now I'm like, nothing. Um, and then it was that you had to use lowercase single or string. I mean, so that was the thing is there. It was, the, it was in the books in our, uh, cop FX or whatever code FX mm-hmm. cop, whatever it was, cop FX, FX cop, FX cop. Jeez. Um, yeah. 
you know. I think it's still around. <laughs> yeah. And we had those running and then it would, it would scan your code and then it wouldn't allow you to do that. So I got trained early on lowercase string. So yeah, I don't know why that just was. It's prettier. It's better. You know, I hear that we're getting a bunch of, uh, speaking of .NET 5, a bunch of new analyzers. So mm. um, some of those, if, if you've never heard of FXCOP before, it was just a bunch of rules that would run against your code, a static analyzer. Give you so many errors. I would never run it because it just gave you way too, it was just way too much. Um, but I guess, uh, and we, we even get all those Roslyn analyzers today. I guess we're getting even more <laughs> in .NET 5. I'm like, oh my God, stop analyzing my code. It's fine. Just trust me. It's fine. No, give me all the analyzers all the times. That's all I ever want in life. Frank, <laughs> give me them all. You know, uh, I was doing, I, I think I just hadn't updated my uh, Visual Studio for Mac in a very long time. I try not to upgrade it ever once it's working. So um, I did an update of it. And a bunch of null reference annotations came in from the Xamarin libraries mm. and started breaking all my code because I had null reference checking turned on, but the Xamarin libraries never uh, never reported anything. But all of a sudden, they started reporting things. And ooh, I had a good 30-some-odd uh, errors to go fix where I was being very sloppy and a very bad coder around nulls. So I, I guess you're right. Analyzers are good. Moral of the story... It's annoying, but it did actually help my code a lot. Yeah, yeah. Well, soon, hopefully, there'll be analyzers to tell you when you can use half. That would be pretty nifty, huh? <laughs> we'll call it Clippy. We should just rename these analyzers Clippy. But yeah, <laughs> hey, you don't need all those bits. You're you're wasting bits over there. Yeah, Where don't actually... waste bits. Don't waste <laughs> them. They're precious, precious bits, just like Gwids. Yeah, and, and it does come up in places. If you're doing like big data queries, I wonder if any of the databases out there support the mm. data type. That'd be really nice for, uh, for yeah entity framework or something like that. Could probably. Yeah, anything that deals with a lot of numbers uh, Is, and that aren't dollar bills. <laughs> Don't do this with money, please. But Isn't that like a big float or big something? Big, big, big int. Big, big int. Big int. Yeah. That thing, I love Big Int. Maybe we'll do an episode on Big Int because <laughs> that's my next love affair. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh. Yeah. Anything else on half or did we just crush this? Oh, we crushed it. I mean, it's it, we only needed a half an episode for it. Well, we want to know how excited you are for the half type. Maybe you don't even know about the half type. Or maybe you're like me and randomly you thought it was a half pipe, which you're like, well, that's cool. Snow <laughs> season's coming up. .NET team's getting crazy on their blog. But yeah, I'm pretty stoked for it only because I feel like what's nice about this is perhaps those amazing graphics, um, engines, and you know, real-time things get further great optimizations. I don't have to do anything. And that's what I like about coding, Frank. I like when other things update automatically <laughs> and I get to take advantage of all that sweet 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 awesomeness that's coming in you have so turned into a manager you just want to delegate everything me i look forward to scanning buffers and reading in all these half numbers as yes pointers it's gonna be crazy <laughs> exactly that is correct now one last thing before we get out of here does this change anything about the ios specific n floats and n ints the native floats are we no you know, you know what I'm talking about. 
Yeah, Those are special. the native floats. Right, yeah. Uh, so if you're a non-iOS programmer, uh, these are magical data types that let us compile our apps for both 64-bit and 32-bit. That's just uh, the end there is native, so it's tracking the processor's bittiness. So uh, on the 64-bit bits, our apps are 64-bit, on 32-bit, they're 32-bit. That's the magic of those data types. The half is 16-bit everywhere, guaranteed, always 16-bit. So no, no thought involved uh, for that kind of stuff. Perfect. That's what I wanted you to know. And next week on the podcast is episode, I don't know what episode it is, but it's going to be episode 220, which means it's lightning topics, which means you can write into the show and you can submit a topic that we'll try to cover in five minutes. We try to do six of them. You can go over to mergeconflict.fm. We have a discord, we have a, an email submit, or you can just tweet at us. Any of those things, send us your topic and let us know what you want to see. And also how excited you are for float or not float, but half a float. Oh my goodness. It's called the half. Oh my gosh. There we go. I think that's going to do it for this week's podcast. So until next time, I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace. Peace.